passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Listening. Damn. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Damn Podcast. I am your host, Angie Machado. Joined with me, as always, each week is Beaver Blitz beat writer, Jake Hedberg. Jake. Doing a, an evening one tonight. Um, hopefully, uh, we have lots of people that jump on and join in on the conversation. But first off, how are you on this Tuesday evening? I'm doing fantastic, Angie. How about yourself? Awesome. I'm good. I'm good. It's it's always easier to come back after a, a win. And uh, Oregon State now returns home. Um, and the next three games will be in the state of Oregon. So I think that's huge for the team. It's huge for fans. Um Goodness, they the, the team actually had two weeks in a row that they got back to Corvallis at four in the morning. So makes for a pretty late night. But um, just want to it's going to be a great show. If you are watching live, make sure you jump in the comments, leave questions, make comments. We'll try to add as many as we can. A quick rundown of what Jake and I have planned. It's, it's a good show today. It's jam packed. We're going to start with a breakdown of the win over Colorado and what went well, what needs work, um, what we really liked. Again, a win is a win, so that's a huge positive. We're going to take a way too early look at the Beavers' 2024 roster, and this is a way, way early look, but Jake's been kind of messing around with the roster, and so there's some things to talk about there. Uh, We're going to go Pac-12 recap. We're going to look at what happened uh, for the Pac-12 conference as a whole last week, look ahead to this week and all those matchups. Stanford preview. We're going to talk some Stanford, and we're going to talk about what the Beavers need to do and those keys to the game We're going to talk a little game day because there's some buzz around uh, the Washington game. Uh, Don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but there's a buzz. We want to talk about that a little bit. And then we are going to jump into the mailbag and we have lots of questions. And again, if you have questions and you're watching live, go ahead and pop those in the chat. But first, let's start off with Colorado. It was a a late game. And uh, if you watched from the beginning, Oregon State looked like they maybe were kind of sleepwalking the first half. Jake, what did... What did you see from the offense, you know, especially Fenwick and Martinez? I thought they looked like they struggled really early in the game. Yeah, you know, the, the first quarter really in particular looked almost lackadaisical. You know, the running backs really didn't seem like they were running like we're used to them seeing. They had two fumbles in the first uh, four or five drives of the game, which is really uncharacteristic, um, especially for, you know, Damian. He's a guy who hasn't really fumbled a whole ton over his career, and to see him put a ball on the ground was was a little concerning, but I feel like the running backs really bounced back. Uh, Deshaun Fenwick, he had a really nice um, touchdown grab at the very end of the second the second quarter. And then 
Dame had his best game of conference play, I think, his first 100-yard game since week three. Um, overall, I think the coaching staff did a good job kind of relying on the run game more after pre in prior weeks, Oregon State had kind of steered away from that. And to get back to their identity and really control the football, I think was a step in the right direction. Agree. I, it was, did you, I don't know how much of the first part of the game you saw, but Damien was getting brought down from behind and it was, it was yeah. kind of weird how he was being brought down. He was kind of just being brought down on his knees. Did you, did you see that? Yeah. Is that, do you think he's dinged up a little bit? What's, what's your thought on that? I mean, one thing we have to take into account is he's never really had a full season as the lead back at the Power 5 level. Obviously, his freshman year, he took over midway through the season. So this is a workload he really hasn't had before. And at this point, I feel like wear and tear could be playing a factor. But he he does look a little, a, a little slower or a little easier to bring down than he did as a freshman. Um, that maybe teams have kind of started to, you know, it's their second year facing him. They may have kind of figured out some tendencies or something. Over, yeah. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, I still feel like he's the best back in the Pac 12. I feel like he's had a great season. He's first in the conference, I believe, uh, at 878 yards. And he'll break a thousand yards, I think, pretty, pretty easily. Yeah, and, and you bring up a good point because Oregon State didn't abandon the run this week. And that was a key to the game that we talked about, um, you and I talked about last week, was really sticking with that run. This was a Colorado defense that had given up a lot of yards on the ground. Um, and Oregon State got that done. Um, I, I did see today's availability. We, we got to talk to Deshaun Fenwick, and it was really fun to kind of see him. He's not a big talker. You know, he's, he's more reserved. But to hear, hear him talk about just how happy he is with the decision to come to Oregon State and – um, his role with the team. Yeah. Um, DJ Uwangalele. Now, if you watch the broadcast, poor Brock Osweiler. <laughs> right, I think he, he said <laughs> he had a rough night with that last name. Um, <laughs> DJ graded out really well for yeah. a guy who, you know, Beaver fans were kind of logging on a bit for throwing about 50%, completing 50% of his passes, but he gets it done. Um, mm -hmm. And some of those are drops. What are, what are yeah. your thoughts? We are, what, two-thirds through the, the Beaver season. What are your thoughts here about DJ? I feel like overall DJ's exceeded my expectations. You know, coming out of fall camp, we really weren't sure which DJ we would get. And I think throughout the year, he really hasn't had a really bad game. Um, in, even if you look at his stat line, yeah, he completed 50% of his passes, but he had at least three drops. I know Deshaun Fenwick had one. Dame had one. Jack Velling had a really uncharacteristic drop as well. So th those numbers, I feel like, really could have been better. And even something to a further extent, uh, I saw something on the board actually where DJ has the, like the most dropped balls out of any yeah. receiver in the country, or out of any qualified passers in the country. So that completion percentage number is a little misleading. He's putting the balls there. Just guys are sometimes struggling to come down with the catches. Yeah, I think that was huge. It was in the lodge at Beaver Blitz, if you're wondering where where Jake got that, um, through PFF, uh, Pro Football yeah. Focus has, mm -hmm. has a lot of stats. But when you look at PFF um, and just how he's done overall, he's grading out. I mean, he graded out as one of the top offensive performers in, against Colorado. So I think he was um, first. I think, yeah, I think he was first. But just amazing um, ability to, I mean, that one where he was falling back, that yeah, that was very it. impressive. That was. Um, he's done some big things, and I, I think he's been that good 
the leader that Oregon State needed, and yeah. then also the steadying force for young Aiden Childs, who had a, another touchdown and got the beeves on the yeah. board early um, on Saturday night. Yeah, Childs has been fantastic. I feel like the future at the quarterback spot is really bright. Um, this kid has really I, – I feel like we knew Childs was a good quarterback, but for an 18-year-old freshman to come in and score on – pretty much every drive he's had all season is really quite impressive. And it's not like he's playing against bad teams either. He's going up against UCLA, Utah, uh, Zona, teams with good defenses, and he's more than hanging his own. And I, I thought what was interesting in Jonathan's uh, press conference on Monday is he is giving thoughts to Aiden getting more than one drive a game. Um which is, would be something to monitor potentially in the Washington and Oregon game if, if Oregon State does fall behind, if if they do potentially mix things up and throw Childs in there for another series or two. How, how big is that, do you think, gamesmanship-wise, if Oregon State needs to be able to throw in an Aiden Childs who there's no film on or very little yeah. film on as opposed I mean, to DJ? Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's huge. I mean, obviously throughout the week – those teams are going to be preparing for what Oregon State does with DJ. And with Aiden Childs, Oregon State's offense is a different offense. You know, we saw it against Arizona in particular and Colorado. Childs' legs is something Oregon State hasn't really had at the quarterback spot since really Seth Collins and his passing Collins game. Is obviously, name from the past. <laughs> and his passing game is obviously miles better than what Collins ever was. And I feel like Oregon State pushes the ball downfield with Childs more than they do. DJ and that's saying something because DJ Clint, is a is a guy that throws the ball a lot. Yeah. So uh in the chat, Clint Moses, um, <laughs> first he gave us a go boost, but he said play both quarterbacks at the same time and use DJ as more of a Coletto. So interesting. Yeah. Interesting interesting take. thought. And who knows, you might see it in a package. You never yeah. know. Um, okay. Speaking of, of Coach Smith's post-game press or um, Monday press conference, I want to kind of jump around here, but the 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 extra point that turned into a um, penalty, which they got the ball on the one and a half yard line and then hiked it over the head and ended up being a two point score for the Buffaloes. Okay. At the time, I just thought I chalked it up to Oregon state making a stupid call, a stupid play call. Coach Smith though, kind of, he explained, not kind of, he explained it very well and it makes total sense. Um, You want to talk a little bit about his, his blackjack, blackjack (laughs) analogy. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really a big poker guy, but analytically, it is the right play. You know, a two point conversion would put you up 19 points, which is what a touch is what is what two touchdowns with two point conversions and a field goal would equal. So, in reality, it was stretching. It was making the making the lead the most untouchable it could possibly be, which is what you want to do. Um, it was the right call. And I think with a quarterback like DJ going from a yard away, not many defenses are going to slow him down, particularly the Colorado defense. I feel like if the snap was down, Oregon State easily would have converted that play. Um, just unfortunate that, you know, the snap timing got all bobbled up and stuff. But at the end of the day, it didn't really matter that much. Yeah, it didn't matter. Um, and, and so Jake kind of took the analytical approach. But what Coach Smith said is, A, you get the ball on the one and a half yard line. DJ's going in. I mean, that's yeah. almost guaranteed money. But you know, he he brought it into a uh, a blackjack scenario. So anybody blackjack? Any blackjack fans? I've I've played my share of blackjack. I guess Jake, you're young. You haven't even been to Vegas yet. So nope. 
<laughs> Say I get 11 and the dealer's showing six. Am I doubling down? Oh, hell yeah, I'm doubling down because I'd rather win two than one. So that is kind of, um, that was kind of the, or that was the analogy he used. And it makes sense. And so I had a little reaction in the, in the thread and I have, or in the game thread and I'm like, okay, no, it, it makes total sense now. So um, we won't even go back to um, Arizona and that one, because that one was the wrong call. <laughs> that fake field goal thing was bad. Anyway, let's, let's talk about offensively then. What do you think needs some work um, heading into these last three games? You know, I think the running backs really catching the ball has still been an issue. Yeah. Deshaun Fenwick did have a touchdown, but, Oregon State's backs have both struggled catching the ball. Uh, I think Isaiah Newell is a guy they can incorporate well into that. He's a guy who in spring camp showed the ability to catch – or excuse me, in fall camp showed the ability to catch the ball. Mm -hmm. And if Damon Fenwick both can't get that done, then I feel like going in a guy like Isaiah Newell, who, who is a very capable back, that's something um, we could potentially see some more of. Let's, let's move over to the defense because defensively it was – the first three quarters were probably Oregon State's best defensive performance yeah. yet. Um, still missed some tackles, so that's still an issue. Um, in your opinion, what went well for Oregon State? I thought the front seven played fantastic. Um, anytime you can hold an opponent to negative rushing yards, that's huge. Uh, it's the first time Oregon State had done that since in 13 or 14, 15 years, something like yeah. that. I think 2007 or 2008. Anyways, that was just huge. You know, I thought Trent Braid did a great job. Um, the pass rush, I thought guys like Chatfield had a fantastic game. Three sacks, the most by an individual player since Hamilcar Rashid in, uh, in almost five years. Yeah. And then I thought another thing that got kind of overlooked is Sione Lohea's performance. He didn't really show up much in the box score, but he had eight quarterback pressures. He was all over the backfield and – he really forced Sanders into making some bad choices. Um, again, I thought the secondary held their own for most of the game. I feel like those guys got kind of tired towards the end of the game. Both Ryan Cooper and Thomas didn't really practice the whole time. That is an explanation for why the tackling may have been so poor in the fourth quarter. But overall, as a whole, I thought the defense had a really solid day. Still would like tackling to get touched up upon. Uh, that – the tackling numbers at this point in the season aren't where they should be, um, and they need to get that fixed before Washington comes to town in two weeks. Yeah, yeah, this is a good game with, with Stanford coming to town. Um, I also, I, and I don't know, I mean, again, this isn't on our, our rundown that we were going to talk about, but Chatfield would have had even more sacks if the referees would have actually called holding. I mean, when it yeah. was as blatant as it was, the guys, Rawls, yeah, there was yeah. one in particular. Uh, it was Rawls, I think. It was, it was a, Rawls that got held completely. It was in the first Hartman half. Was getting, yeah. yeah, it was in the first half. There was one play in particular. At this point, I was watching him with a few friends, and, and we were all like, how is that not holding? It, it was, was right in front of the was, of the referee. He was holding them all like that, yeah. too. It was, yeah. Uh, was there one holding call called on Colorado? I, I think so. But they I'm held sure. a lot. But yeah. some of them, there were at least three that were blatant. And when mm -hmm. I can see them on TV and they're yeah. happening right in front of the referee, it, it was, um, in my opinion, that was a little concerning. And I know people in the game thread were a little frustrated that coach Smith wasn't um, maybe yeah. doing more on the sideline to, to draw attention to that. Um, 
I thought play calling and clock management was better um, yeah. against Colorado. I, I think that was one of the That's things we talked about at Arizona, and, and I think that got cleared up. Entry update. Um, do we know anything new? Um, Levin Good and Ivy. Ivy's out, I guess. So Levin yes. Good. Yes, um, out. We don't expect um, Levin Good this week, correct? No, I would not expect Jake Levin Good. I feel like if it was Washington, maybe he would go. But due to playing Stanford, I think they're going to try and rest Jake another week and let Tanner Miller take over at center again. Uh, expect um, Grant Stark to be back in there at right guard. And we're really not expecting too much of a fall off at all. Any um, other injury? I mean, um, on the defensive side of the ball, Julian is out for the rest of the year. Um, okay. Might be the last time you see him in an Oregon State jersey. He is a yeah. senior, could potentially come back for another year. But he could also enter the transfer portal. He could also transfer. Um, not expecting Alton Julian to be available the rest of the 2023 season. Okay. Um, off the um, top of my head, those are the only two big ones. Hanelli Bloomfield, do we know? He just went roll, out with rolled ankle, ankle, came okay. back in. He should be ready to go for Saturday. Okay. So. Um, and we know Tyrese Ivy's out. And then um, I know there was some, and this was actually a question in the damn questions. Um, but yeah, they Coach Smith actually addressed Julian. Clint Moses in the chat just said, not Julian. Um, he had, what did he say, like a minor procedure? Minor done? procedure, which yeah. this is third in the last three years. Yeah. Typically that means a scope, maybe to clean up scar tissue potentially. Um, not a doctor, and I have not heard, but that's yeah. some kind of procedure was done. Yeah. Um, and that's a tough story for yeah, it is. Really a, a great player to go through three, three, you know, procedures in three years. Yeah. It, it turned what was likely a future in the NFL into a tough journey back. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a tough transition. And um, I don't know how many of you guys that are listening have watched Micaiah Tung. He has a blog on YouTube um, and it was always kind of his journey as a football player and practice. And then now he's actually transitioning it to his rehab and, and the, he has a long road a, a, ahead of him because he's had his meniscus and I believe NCL, patella NCL. tendon repaired. So he had a surgery done right after, like the Sunday after the injury. Um, now he's finally starting to kind of rehab that. I, the video I saw today, he was just excited that he actually got to walk with a brace and no, not crutches. Um, he still needs a second surgery to repair the ACL down the road, whenever that is. But um, I encourage you to look up Micaiah Tung on YouTube if you're not, because um and, and talk about another player who was having a, a great start at a new position. Um, but that's, um, I mean, that's part of football and it, it sinks, sinks, but that's what it is. Okay. Anything else about Colorado that you want to want to touch on? No, I mean, overall, I thought it was a solid win. You know, uh, I feel like this, this score wasn't as close as I feel like the score was closer than the game actually was. There Absolutely. was really never any doubt. Um, yeah after the first quarter, the first, the, the first half that Oregon state was in control. Yeah. Even though Oregon state maybe struggled to, to put points on the board. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was never, it, there was never that nail biting question in doubt. Um, okay. Let's, let's change gears here and talk a, a way too early look at the 2024 roster. So Jake, I know you have nothing to do besides write stories for Beaver Blitz and do schoolwork, but you texted me today and said, Hey, I've been fiddling around with the, uh, with the roster and Oregon state's going to need to hit the portal hard. Yeah. Tell me what your kind of early kind of look here has, has turned up. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this afternoon I had a break between um, offensive, offensive press conferences in class. I probably should have been studying, but <laughs> thought I should take a look at the 2024 roster. And 
really this is what we call me. procrastination Jake. yeah big time procrastination <laughs> and you know what stood out to me was really a lack of depth you know particularly uh in the trenches you know oregon state offensively is going to lose i would anticipate four starters from the offensive line jake levengood henley bloomfield are gone would assume tolly and josh gray are gone as well so tanner miller will be the only starter returning uh, i would imagine grant stark will probably start as well so really that's two spots locked down and three spots open Marco for guys Brewer that, hopefully comes back marco is another guy yeah. who could be back so at best oregon state's going to have two two brand new starters with no starting experience unless they hit the transfer portal which is something i could see them doing you know they've done that bringing in a guy like grant stark mm-hmm. um who was a transfer they've done that in the past and then on the flip side of the ball the defensive line oregon state loses james rawls joel golden and Isaac Hodgins. Those are three of their four defensive tackles that really play a lot. Uh, guys like Samisi Haluni are going to have to step up. And younger guys, Quincy Wright and Thomas Collins, they're going to be huge factors next year. I would not be shocked to see Oregon State pursue at least one defensive tackle transfer, probably more. They currently have zero committed as well. Um, so this, that's an area on, on this roster that is going to need to be addressed. Um the secondary depth as well. I feel like they should have a solid five next year with Tyree Sivey, Jermod McCoy at corners, Achille Arnold and Skylar Thomas will be back at safety with Noble Thomas as well at nickelback. But beyond that, again, young, inexperienced guys who haven't played a ton of ball, I feel like it'd be imperative to get a junior college guy potentially or a portal guy that can come in and play from really day one. So something I've thought about, and, and do you think it'll be easy? So if Oregon State, let's just, now I'm not going to try to take this into a, um, I'm here, Squeaky Clean has a, a comment. Thoughts on Kelsey Howard, um, possible rap role next year? Yeah, you know, Kelsey's a guy I think is going to be a, um, uh, really still trying to figure out what the coach staff is doing with him, whether they're trying to beef him up or slim him down. If they slim him down to play outside backers uh, or, or like a defensive end, then I feel like he'll be a, a rotational player kind of playing in the role that a guy like Dakari Hickel has this year. And then if they beef him up, I think he'll be one of the four defensive tackles that Oregon State rotates in uh, along with Collins, Bright, Looney, and Jacobs Hooster I as think, well. I think that's the plan for him actually is to, to beef him up. Um, Russell Motes um, in the chat also said, yeah. I think they got the D tackle from Minnesota. That is true. Schuster. Was, yeah. Yeah. Schuster. So he was not eligible this year. Um, but okay. Something that I was thinking about the other day is, so let's just say Oregon state's conference home is, is in flux next year in 2024 mm-hmm. and they're doing it with the pack two. Do and I, I think that will really affect prep recruiting. Do you think though, it would make it easier for them to go out to the recruiting? Uh, the transfer portal and pick up guys that way. I think it will. Um, you know, a lot of these guys, they will see a top 25 team with, or a previously ranked top 25 team with immediate playing time. And again, for these guys at Washington or Oregon or USC or USC or UCLA, the West coast kids that don't want to go play in, in records in November and want to play in front of their families, they're going to, want to stay at a place close to home where they'll play against, you know, potentially some Mountain West schools or some 
Big 12 schools where it's not as far. And I feel like Oregon State and Washington State could be very attractive. And, and those schools all have some very talented former four-star, five-star players. Um, so that is something to potentially keep an eye on. I feel like the, the transfer portal in the country th- th- this year is going to be crazy. And it's really going to start to pick up here in the next three weeks. Yeah, because we are um, – signing out. day is yeah. the 20th of December. So um, it's going to start really picking up. In fact, I think – well, Washington game is going to be full of recruits. Yeah. Stanford will be have quite a few as well, too. But um, we're going to see a lot of guys making some visits during bowl prep um, or that wherever the Beavers land there. Um, it's going to get it's going to get busy. So um, Jake won't be have time to look at the schedule to procrastinate. He'll be doing recruiting stuff <laughs> instead. So um, it's going to get fun. It's going to get a little wild. But um, this is the time to be on Beaver Blitz, which is a perfect little segue here to um, – Starting tonight, actually, Tuesday night at midnight, uh, 50% off sale um, for if you're not a member of Beaver Blitz. So it's a good time to join. Um, if you're not, jump on that and uh, join us in the lodge because there's so much that goes on and so much discussion um, and, and, and insight that um, we leave in the lodge and we don't discuss um, here on the public forum. Do you want to take a quick look at the Pac-12? Yeah, let's do it. Let's see here. Okay. Um, oh, here. Clint Moses. Wait, we don't want to talk about this. It says, watch out. USC made poach Trent Bray. Must keep the staff together. Absolutely. I, I reached out to a friend of mine when uh, they let Alex Grinch go. And I, I said, how much do you think USC is going to throw down at uh, Trent? And my friend said, a lot. So um, it'll be interesting. So um, keep an eye out. But uh Oregon State has shown that they've done things to keep keep guys, keep the coaches. So I do think Trent is one that's pretty imperative um, to, to keep. Yeah, probably the biggest. Or second yeah, biggest. I, I agree. I mean, I think him and Mahalachek are your yeah. two two guys you keep. You have to keep. Those two are crucial in my mind. Um, you know, I think Lindgren could move. I think Henson could go. Um, you I know, think Wozniak's on. another. Yeah, I, I, I think it Woz too. Um, I think Woz is one of the more underrated recruiters i feel yeah. like he does a great job um and and i do expect you know the secondary guys I, I do think coach blue may eventually want to get back to florida i could see anthony perkins wanting to to do some different things but um i think if you can kind of keep that core group and, and i think lindgren's not as big of a, a loss if he was to ever move somewhere because coach smith is the offense is an offensive guy too so yeah keeping coach bray i think is so big um for continuity and, and just what he's gotten in you know a year and a half or you know, two years now, I guess, almost. Yeah. Okay, so the week that was, Oregon State took care of business 26-19 over Colorado. ASU got annihilated by Utah, 55-3. Yeah. to Cal, Cal was playing Oregon. They played him tough for the first, you know, yeah. first quarter 15. or so. Yep. Um, they ended up falling 63-19. Washington beat USC 52-42. to that was probably well. The next Stanford beat Washington State ten yeah. to seven in the Palouse. Washington State is really struggling. Yeah, um, seven State points them at the wrong time. Yeah, I, I that three point loss is 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 hard just because that uh, you know. Um, and then Arizona, I don't have that one on our rundown. Who did Arizona? They beat won. UCLA. UCLA. That's right. Twenty seven to ten. That was a good game, and, and Arizona is really peaking. Yep. Um, as Top well. Twenty now. Yeah. Um, a, a well-coached team and, you know, similar in, in my mind, a little similar to Oregon state and that that was a complete rebuild for them. 
Yeah, this they found week, their QB for sure. They the did. Fafita's looking great. Um, okay, the week that will be, um, obviously Stanford is playing at number 12 OSU. The Beavs are 21-point favorites. Do you think the Beavs can uh, win by 21? Yeah. Okay. Uh, based off, I mean, we'll touch some more on this. Yeah, we'll touch some later, more. But, yes. Um, Arizona goes to play Colorado. Uh, the Wildcats are a 10-and-a-half-point favorite. I think, I think they I take think care Arizona. of yep. business there. Agreed. Utah at Washington. That's a big one. Um, Washington is a nine and a half point favorite. Um, I like Washington to cover that. How how much do you think Utah beats Washington up this week? I feel like physically in the trenches, Utah has an advantage. Washington's just too talented. Um, it I do feel like Washington could get you know dinged up playing against arguably the most physical team in the Pac-12. I put Utah up in the top two or three for sure. Um, I, I think Washington is, is going to cover this game. Um, one thing I've noticed is they played their best teams. Washington runs the ball a lot. Uh, the running back Johnson, his three best games all year have been against their three ranked opponents, Washington or Oregon. And then last week against SC and then I believe Arizona yeah. um, as well, his three best games. So th- they do kind of even things out, turn from a more one dimensional to two dimensional team in those tighter games, which is interesting because you'd think it'd be they'd rely more on Penix because he's Michael Penix. Yeah. But yeah. Um again, you Washington I don't feel like has played a defense as good as Utah yet this year. Um and Utah could make things interesting, but due to their lack of offense at the moment, Granted, they did just put up 55, but as a whole, I don't think Bryson Barnes is a talented enough quarterback to beat the Huskies. I, I do know, I, I do watching some of Washington's games. I don't think they are as good as I might have thought they were earlier no. in the season. I think Oregon's um, better. Exactly. Think. I mean, that's if I was to give my power rankings right now, I'd have Oregon at top. Yeah. And um, one thing that's I hate saying one, that, but I was kind of doing a way too early, like look ahead over to Washington, but their last five games have all been won by less than 10 points. Interesting. Yeah, I, th- I think that Washington Arizona. game is going to be interesting in Corvallis. Yeah, yeah. Um, and two of those teams were Stanford and Arizona State, who are in the bottom four teams in the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, they, they've struggled. I mean, it hasn't been easy for them. Um, ASU um, goes down to UCLA, where UCLA is 17-point favorites. Washington State is at Cal. That's that's almost a toss-up. Cal's a one-and-a-half-point favorite, which surprises me. I like me. Cal. At this I point, do too. I, I think Cal wins. Um, Cooks, like I said, just have been struggling way too much. Yeah. Or and then I, go, I feel ahead. like if I feel like if Oregon State switched Washington State and Arizona in their schedule, I think Oregon State beats Arizona if Jaden De, De, Delores their quarterback, and I think Oregon State beats Washington State if they played them on October twenty right eighth instead yeah. of September twenty third. I I completely agree, and that just it still baffles me how Oregon State. Um, has two losses by a total of six points. Um, and then the other kind of the primetime game of the week is USC at Oregon, where Oregon is a 15 and a half point favorite. I think Oregon wins by more. I do too. Um, it'll be interesting to see how SC does. Now they finally, after I've been calling for it for, I want to say four pods in a row, uh, Grinch is gone. But I still think offensively Oregon is too talented with really a very balanced offense. I feel like Bo Nix, like him or hate him, is truly a, in the top three right now for the 
Heisman Trophy, and then they have arguably the best running back in the Pac-12 as well. Um, I feel like Oregon is the best team and the mo most complete team in the Pac-12 at the moment. And if I had to pick a Pac-12 champion right now, it would be Oregon. Do you think Oregon's defense is that good, though? They really haven't – at this point, it's – they haven't really played any great offenses besides Washington. And Washington ran the ball effectively on them. Johnson had a 100 yards, and if Johnson can do it, then we know Damian Martinez can do it. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that – how it, they do against Caleb Williams because they did have their issues against Michael Penix. But facing Williams, who's even better, uh, it could give them some troubles. But overall, I just think – Oregon's offense is too talented. Yeah, they they do. I mean, USC, though, that's going to be a fun game, I think. Just yeah. to be an offensive um, battle because USC has such amazing skill players, um, especially so That's the 7 o'clock game, right, on Fox? Is it 7 or 4.30? I feel like it's 7. Is it 7? Okay, hang on. I'm going to pull it up really, really quick. Um, actually, this is a great time. We're going to take a quick break um, for the – podcast side and jake and i'll be right back in just a second old man winter here if i had it my way it would stay winter all year long short days wind chill black ice and a good polar vortex oh <laughs> heaven wait is it getting warm in here your cold snap is over old man winter spring has arrived spring spring is here which means it's the perfect time to get away in the hyundai you've always wanted visit the hyundai getaway sales event where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona as well as the spacious Palisade enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance but hurry in these deals won't last add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai getaway sales event now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson now during the Hyundai getaway sales event Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Okay, welcome back to the damn podcast. Again, I'm your host, Angie Machado, publisher of Beaver Blitz, and I am joined by our beat writer who is day-to-day -day in the trenches in Corvallis, Jake Hedberg. Okay, I just checked that USC game is, you are correct, it's a 7.30 kick on Fox. That'll I should be know better than to question you, Jake. I should <laughs> just know better. That should help traffic, though, for those, since both teams are home on Saturday. Oh, Oregon State it, is that's a Eugene, isn't it? Yeah, it's a Eugene game. So, I'm going to have to drive um, down and watch that one. <laughs> after the Beaver game, you're going to jump yeah. in the car and, and head down. Um so we just took a break after kind of running down the Pac-12 slate. Let's talk Stanford. Let's do it. Stanford is currently sitting at three and six. Their wins have come over Colorado, Hawaii, and Washington State. What concerns you about Stanford? Honestly, their passing game has looked way better. You know, at the start of the year, they had their issues. They found their quarterback now in a sophomore 
Ashton Daniels, who was he was really more of a, a wildcat guy last season, but he kind of broke onto the scene against Colorado, threw for I want to say almost 400 yards, um, and he's a good quarterback. They've got some talented wideouts. Uh, Tiger Bachmeyer is a freshman, the brother of former Boise State quarterback Hank Bachmeyer. Uh, another talented wideout is. Alec Anmore, I think that's how you say it, uh, had almost 300 yards against Colorado, which I believe is the most in a, the country by a single receiver all season. And then, as always, Stanford has a pair of really talented um, tight ends as well between Benjamin Urasek and Sam Roche. Um, and while in years past Stanford has been more of a ground-and-pound team under Coach Harbaugh and Coach Shaw, I feel like with Troy Taylor at the helm, they're going to try and air the ball out some more. Yeah, yeah. And then a couple running backs, too, and EJ Smith, who is Emmett Smith's son, and Casey Falkins, a local Lake Oswego pros- yeah. prospect. Um, not a huge running threat, though. I mean, they, those two have only combined for 407 yards. And if anything, the quarterbacks have actually put more, yeah. more yards up. Yeah, I mean, Stanford – They'll they'll they will bring in a second quarterback as well, uh, Justin Lamson. He's a transfer from Syracuse, and he's kind of taken over Daniel's role from last year, which was, mm-hmm. you know, more of the Jack Coletto type Wildcat guy. And he's very effective in the short yardage situations. And Oregon State has to be prepared for not one quarterback but two. Yeah, um, a familiar face on that Stanford sideline now. Former oh, Oregon State running back Malcolm Agnew is is a coach there with Troy Taylor. Um, great one, a, you know, a great interview at Oregon State, and he actually married, and his name is escaping me, but he married an Oregon State gymnast, too, so um, there's some OSU ties there on that sideline. Um, their edge rusher, David Bailey, leads the yeah. team in sacks. The kid's a stud. Yeah, he, he's he's really good, and then their safety, Scotty Edwards, right now leading the team with interceptions, but they don't seem to be a super opportunistic um, no. defensive backfield. No, I mean, the this is quite frankly the worst secondary Oregon State has faced in conference play, maybe even all season. They're giving up over 300 yards a game, and I think this is something that DJ is going to be able to take big time advantage of. I feel like the coaching staff is going to try and push the ball downfield, try and get uh, Silas and Anthony the ball in space and let them go to work. Uh, I feel like it's going to be a big opportunity for Oregon State to put up some big time pass numbers. That I mean, that's good. So, looking ahead, then your keys to the game. What what does Oregon State need to do to win this game? Uh, I feel like they need to take the take the pass away from Stanford and force them to really run the ball. Oregon State's run defense has been really good this year, outside of the Cal and UCLA games. Uh, I feel like at home the crowd is going to factor into that as well. And then offensively, I feel like Oregon State's going to establish Damian early get him going and then that's just going to open up the passing game and I think DJ is going to get to go to work after the run games after the run game has established itself. So so make Stanford one dimensional and make Oregon State two dimensional. Two dimensional. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So yeah, I mean do you think this is a big day for DJ? I I I really do. I feel like I feel like he'll probably have his outside of Cal, I feel like this game will be his best of Pac-12 play. Okay. Okay. Um Oregon State. What are they? Get, what's going to happen if Oregon State struggles? Like, where do you see Oregon State struggling against Stanford? Honestly, in the secondary, uh, tackling has been an issue. We know Ryan Cooper and Noble Thomas are playing, but are they really fully healthy? That's something 
that these talented Stanford receivers could take advantage of. And these guys can break tackles. Um, and that's something that really is going to need to be f- addressed and fixed. Do the tight ends worry you at all? Like you said, Ben, they do. Sick and do they, do they concern I you? Mean, in the past, what Stanford's done, granted it was a different coaching staff, but you know, they've had guys like Zach Ertz, Kobe Parkinson, all, Kobe Fleener, all these really talented tight ends. They would line them up as wide outs and just throw the ball up. And Oregon State, they don't have a Rajon Wright who's 6'3", 6'4". Their two corners, uh, Jaden and Coop, they're both six foot, maybe six one, generously. And maybe that's something Stanford tries and brings back and because it has worked in the past against Oregon State. I remember in 2018 the game where uh, Kobe Parkinson had – God, I want to say three touchdowns in the first quarter. And yeah, it's, it's something. And then there that, was the game a few years before that, I believe, where it was like overtime or. Yes, the one again. in Corvallis. Or, yes, it was in Corvallis. And they just. The one on the Thursday. Yep. Yep. On, the one in <laughs> that 11 one. Years. Yeah. 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 So that one was another yeah. one. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they, they have the picked, yeah. picked Oregon State apart um, in, in years past with tall wide receivers slash tight ends. Yeah. So, crowd. How do you think the crowd is going to be on Saturday? I think it'll be a solid crowd. I don't think it'll be as good as it was Utah or UCLA, but I feel like the Beaver Dam in particular shows out for every game, and I feel like they're really going to be loud and make an impact. Um, I feel like this will be one of the more hostile environments Stanford has played in. Uh, I, I believe they haven't played Utah, I don't think. No. they played Washington and Oregon both at home, which are two of the tougher ones. So I do feel like this is going to be the toughest environment that, that they will have played in all year. And it'll, which means it'll be the toughest environment that their quarterback has ever played in. So I, I could see this going, I could see the crowd being a huge factor to swing the game in Oregon state's direction. Yeah. And it is the, it's a veterans day celebration and yep. hall of fame celebration. So um, yes. I thought Steven Jackson was already in the hall of fame, but so it's like, so There's she's four being guys. Yeah. Jackson, oh. Hass, okay. Serna. Serna, and Coach Riley, Riley as well, which will be a fun one. That will be fun. Um, There'll be a ton of alumni there. I yeah, tons. Um, but cool. let's we're gonna we're gonna transition here a little bit because it brings up a good point. Because the very next week, if Oregon State's able to take care of business this weekend, Oregon State was picked. Oregon State Washington was uh, slated on yesterday as the ABC 430 kick, which is primetime per Curb Street, Chris Fowler, typically. Um, so the, the rumors have been flowing that uh, game day could be coming to Corvallis on that Saturday. Yeah. What are your just thoughts on that one? Well, quite frankly, this would be a dream come true to me. Uh, I've grown up watching college game day every day or every Saturday in the fall for as long as I could ever remember I've never been before and for it to happen uh while I'm in college alone would be um, incredible um I feel like ESPN they haven't brought college game day here since 2010 it's been 13 years I feel like it's long overdue and I feel like Oregon State would be one of the best environments they've done it in uh quite frankly I feel like the students are going to be I mean the students are already quite frankly at least all my friends are buzzing about it can't wait uh still trying not to get our hopes up too much, but feeling pretty confident. I feel like this is a matchup that screams college game day. Theoretically, 
Oregon State is will most likely be ranked in the top ten if they win this game, uh, uh, this upcoming game. It'll be the only top ten matchup. It's already the fourth Purdy game, which is usually a Kirk Herb Street Chris Fowler game. The, the Herb Street will already be in in Corvallis. It it just screams college game day. And again, what Kirk said on the radio in Seattle yeah, today. He's in Seattle today, um, saying that we're probably going to yeah. go to Corvallis. So, um, but again, Oregon State has to take care of business. Yes. And how yes, many? As an Oregon State, someone that's followed this team a long time, how many times have they stubbed their toe when things just have to work out a certain way? Yeah. Um, that being said, though, um, for those that have kind of been following following along with the damn flag, which is um, I've kind of been helping facilitate flag waivers and, and helping those guys start up by a couple beaver blitzers. Um, one is in Huntsville, Alabama. The other is in Colorado. Um, and then we have our social media who's in Southern Utah. Those guys have been amazing. I mean, the work that they're putting in to get this, you know, to coordinate with old Crimson and, and get that game day. So I was actually on the phone with WH1, who is, the, the our Alabama <laughs> representative. He's drive. He was in Tuscaloosa this last week. He's driving to Athens this next this this coming weekend, and he actually grew up in Corvallis and hasn't been back um, to Reeser in several years and is planning to fly out uh, for that Washington game. So how cool would it be for the damn flag to fly college game day? That'd be awesome. It'd be it's so much fun. So um, I think there, it's a good story. Even if yeah. ESPN doesn't really want to talk about it, I think it's a good story. And I would love to see the athletic department put out signs that we can yeah. hold up or fans can hold up, you know, we belong. Or mm-hmm. um, there's been some discussion in the lodge built, not bought. So um, yeah. it, just stay tuned. Um, and like I said, first things first, Oregon State needs to win uh, Saturday, 2.30 against Stanford. With all that said, do we want to take some questions from the mailbag? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, I'm gonna pull. I pulled them up here, so I'm not. Of course, I totally. Okay, so I I actually answered this one at the time, but um, in the lodge at Beaver Blitz, that we're we're pulling these from the um, from the lodge at Beaver Blitz. Oh, people are talking about where game day would be in the chat. Do you think it'd be in the MU? I've heard there's scaffolding and, and different things going on in the MU. There's a ton of construction going on, or there's a bunch of fences up. They just put in who grass. Um, I think the practice field is a better like option. I feel like do it in front of Protho. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of – and I feel like that would be a good opportunity for the athletic department as well to showcase yeah. the new stadium. I feel like that would be a solid place to do it. And it also – it provides field goals as well for – Oh, that's right, for McAfee's kicking for, contest. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, Beaver Love asked, um, he said, great to see some defensive players make it back to the lineup. In the fourth quarter, these players appear to be hurting again. Injury update. So um, as Jake alluded to with Noble Thomas and um, and Cooper, Ryan Cooper Jr., really it was more of the fact they hadn't played in three or four weeks, were not quite in game shape, and then couple that with the altitude. They just needed they needed to come out. They were yeah. they were exhausted. So um, they're fine. We're expecting them to play um, Saturday. Um, let's see. Um, any update on the research speakers from EBS 238? I have not heard. I Have you seen any work going on? Uh, I have not. And I've, okay. I'm I, over the, in that I've area said, usually at least once a day, and I haven't seen anything. Yeah. I, Sarah, when she was on a, a month or two ago, had mentioned they were hoping for the Washington game. But um, that might 
be wishful thinking at this point. We will check with Sarah though and, and see if there is an update there. Um, let's see. Um, there's some talk about should do our sanders and getting pump full of pain medicine. Um, how can we win at least two of the next three games if Oregon State is rated at the bottom of conference in tackling? Yeah, I mean, our, Oregon State's tackling is an issue. They are going to be playing some really good skill players, particularly against Washington and Oregon. But I think one thing Oregon State has going for them is home field advantage. I feel like that cannot be overstated. This, At this point, it's not a coincidence that Oregon State's won 15 of the last 16 games at home. This team feeds off the energy that really the student section and the whole fan base provides. And I feel like that's going to be a huge factor that a lot of people are going to overlook. Yeah, I the home crowd, I you know, looking at this game, looking at the whole schedule, I think when any time you see a team playing at Reeser, it's it's a good thing for Oregon State. Um, the Beavers seem to play so much better at home than they do in the road. Um, most teams do, but um, it seems really, um, really the, the case for Oregon State. Um, Beaver Jim says, Angie, when you were on Kanzana's radio show in late summer, you were pretty pessimistic about the Beavers' future if they didn't get into a, a Power Four conference. You seem to have changed your tune and are more bullish now, even if it is the Pac-2 option. Help me and share the reasons for your apparent optimism. Jake, do you have any anything to say on that? I'll let you handle no? that one. Okay. Um, yeah, I was, at the time, I was super pessimistic because a Mountain West merger that was being talked about would be a death sentence. I still, it's still a death sentence. So um, all these people that keep saying that Oregon State is still going to be in the Mountain West, it's not going to be the case. Um, I'm anxious to see in the next week what comes out with this this lawsuit. Um, it's the 14th, isn't it? It's the 14th, so a week from today. Um, there's There's been some things out there, um, some smoke and mirrors, I think, by the, the trader is 10, trying to you know say, well, Oregon State wants to keep everything from this year. I don't think Oregon State and Washington State are trying to keep this year's earnings. They're trying to control the future earnings. 24 and 25. And, and try to get clarity on that that they haven't been able to get. So... When you start looking at it that way, now, well, would it be ideal? No, it wouldn't be ideal. But I see a path if the Pac-2 were to stay together and between uh, bowl payouts and NC2A tournament payouts, if Oregon State and Washington State were able to share roughly $100 million, $150 million a year, be huge. I see a path that Oregon State could then, and Washington State could be a power two for, or a Pac-2 for two years um, schedule. And if you're not in the lodge, get your membership now, save 50% and get in the lodge because Adam Nicholson, one of our former beat writers, um, he, him and his family had COVID. And he said during his COVID stint, he started like digging and it kind of got to be this hole that he just started kind of this whole endless stream. And he basically has put together workable um, schedules for both Washington State and Oregon State. And then kind of an outline of a whole, I mean, it's, it's, we laughed about it that it might be COVID induced, but it makes some sense. You know, it's it's how you schedule, and and he actually lays out the teams that would work based on their current schedules. It makes who sense. they could schedule, and, and, quite and frankly, it's not terrible. It's not terrible, and then it's a relegation model. So um, basically, you take a, a a big chunk of teams, you you merge with, um, you kind of pick and choose your teams, and there's a relegation aspect to it as well. It's very different, outside the box thinking, but if you're not in Beaver Blitz, get in there now because it really is it's it's a discussion leading and thought provoking. So I will say that. Now, 
do I still think there's a shot Oregon State lands in the Big Ten or the Big 12? Yes, um, I do. I think Oregon State can't and Washington State can't say anything right now because they need to find out their financial situation. Because if there's some way that they can get money and then go to a conference and pay their own way, then that makes sense as well. So there is, I, I am not as pessimistic as I was. Um, and, and I think part of it is just kind of the, the tiredness of it. You know, you can, yeah, you can sit around and, and talk about it, all the what ifs. And, um, but at the end of the day, it, we're, we're not going to change it. So um, I think if college game day comes to Corvallis, I think the best thing that can happen, I think it's huge one, just to show the college football world and landscape. But I think fans need to show up. They need to be loud, not obnoxious, but supportive. Um, and, and really get that point across that, we belong. You know, we do belong in a, in a Power Five conference. Um, let's see. Rip City in the comments just says a year or two stall pack two option wouldn't be the worst if you can eventually get into a Power Four, maybe before 05 or 2024 and 2025. That's that's kind of what I'm saying. I I think if you can somehow stall and and pay the bills for those two years and still have a, I mean, think about this. We're just talking about recruiting and going after transfer portal guys. If Oregon State and Washington State are a power pack two and have an auto bid to the CFP, who of these transfer portal guys are not going to want to go to Oregon State yeah. and Washington State? It's going to make that side of recruiting that much easier. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of unknowns, though, so it's a lot of speculation, but I'm not as pessimistic right now. Um, Reeser Beef 23 says, flash ahead to September 24. Conference, which conference is Oregon State in? What do you think, Jake? Next football season. I don't think it'll be a – at this point, I think it'll be a pack two. Pack two. I, I think it will be Oregon State and Washington State playing a predominantly independent schedule, catching games here and there. I think I feel like they play some games against Mountain West schools, um, Big Twelve schools, potentially even like a Notre Dame or some ACC schools as well. Um, it makes the most sense right now out of all their options, and quite frankly, the most realistic. I think so, as well. And I agree because again, like like we were just kind of talking about another little. Thing down this rabbit hole is the ACC is most likely going to collapse here in the next year or two as well. So yeah, don't be shocked if Clemson and FSU, Carolina and Duke all jump ship. Uh, I feel like those four schools in particular are ones to watch for, whether to the SEC or the Big Ten. I feel like the SEC is more realistic. I, I don't think the SEC has done its 16 teams either. I feel like they can add Clemson and FSU, two great football programs, and then Carolina and Duke both have top 25 football teams as well as arguably the two biggest brand names in college basketball as well. Um, I, I do feel like this whole thing is not done and it won't be done for another year or two. Yeah. And I, and so I think that is another benefit of waiting. Um, yeah. If you can wait it out. If, if Oregon state and Washington state are able to um, secure enough money through this, I think there's ways of streaming. There's ways though. There will be ways of getting games picked up on TV um, that they will make it financially doable. And then in two years, the landscape could change immensely. And then you already have a conference in play and you start, you become kind of the, the pet, you start grabbing teams that you can. Um, what does it mean that OSU extended Barnes and Jonathan at a high pay? Does it mean OSU feels they're going to be okay financially um, with contract extensions? I feel like it does. I mean, they wouldn't be making these promises if they felt like they couldn't keep them and they're making these extensions for big money, 
money has to come from somewhere. So I feel like I feel like the athletics department is confident that they will find a home or be in the pack two and have a certain amount of a, a decent enough amount of money to be able to afford to yeah to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. Um, ben Esch, what are your colleagues affiliated with other teams and markets saying about the pack two situation? Do they truly care? Are they shrugging it off, or do the schools they are affiliated with care? Business is business, everyone for themselves attitude. What is said publicly and then what is said privately? You know, honestly, everybody that I've talked to at other schools has kind of just been, yeah, it sucks for you guys, but um, it's kind of every man for themselves and, and moving forward. Um, you know, they, they, I think they feel bad, but again, something nobody had control over necessarily. So, you know, what I did find interesting was, we were talking about just how, you know, fans in the lodge or, or those of you listening on the podcast are really invested in Oregon State, your diehard fans, and you're, you've been following this realignment and what it means. I had to laugh because when Washington and Oregon released their schedule for next year, how many fans in the comments were like just completely stunned that there was no Civil War or Apple Cup? Like, and in my head, I'm thinking, have you been living under a rock? Yeah. But I also had to like step back and be like, okay, just because I talk about this every single day doesn't mean general fan is. Okay, Mr. G. Gray, more likely to be seen in Corvallis in the next decade. Chad Ochocinco Johnson as the game day guest picker or the Zeros playing in a Civil War football game? I feel like Chad Johnson is much more likely. Um, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see if game day does come who they do go after. I feel like there's a handful of people between – Chad Johnson, obviously. I feel like Adley Rutschman. I feel like Jade Carey would be a cool one as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, Celebrity-wise, not really a whole ton. You could get Gary Payton, another former athlete, a bigger name nationally. Um, it's the one, like, knock on Oregon State is there's really not a whole lot of big-name famous uh, alumni that, yeah. Really, yeah. that care about sports, at least. Um, I mean, it – I, I see. I think Adley would be good just because he's relevant right now, and yeah. a lot of, um, you know, people know him, yeah. and and he's in town. I mean, he's he's an Oregon kid. He's he's around. So my pick um, would be Rutschman. Um, Rutschman would be great. Do you think Gary Payton would be fun? I feel um, like he would be a funny one. Although we, game day's kind of gotten weird with their guest pickers. Like, yeah, I mean, I could see them big. bringing in someone who's not affiliated. Yeah, like I don't know, or a Washington guy. Even they could bring. I don't know. Do you, do you know what I would love to see? And, and we've talked about this kind of on the message board, but I would love for this this Washington game, the last Pac-12, if you will, game at Research Stadium. I would love it, especially being a 430 Kirk Herbstreit, you know, big, huge game that it is. I would love to see Oregon State be able to bring back so many of their old, you know, have Stephen Jackson on the sideline, have Gary Payton there, have yeah. – um, just a he ton of guys. I, don't, I mean, I would be hard to get like a Hecker or Brandon Cooks, but, um, you know, get Quiz, those guys. James. Quiz. Yeah, James. I mean, Marcus there's so Wheaton. many. Yeah. So many names. Yeah. I mean, Marcus, we, there's so many that they could get. Um, just one, well, Ken yeah. Simpson was at Colorado last week. Yeah, there's a whole crew of them. Evans and Bernard. Um, so, um, anyway, I just think that would be a really cool um, kind of solidarity. And then the guys, you know, let's say – Brandon Cooks or, or Johnny Hecker, Jordan Poyer have games, get them giving statements and put them up on the Jumbotron, you know, just, yeah. um, I would love to see, back. I would love to see maybe the Fiesta Bowl jerseys just would love, or 
I actually I bet you they go the all orange again. All orange, okay. I don't you know, we've been seeing a lot every week when they kind of do the game time, they still use the Oregon State script. Kind of the cursive. I'm yeah. wondering if that's gonna come out at some point. Potentially. I don't know. There's a lot. So um last question here. Max Casa would like to know how are the true freshman wide receivers doing? Yeah, you know, all four are planning on red shirting. Uh Zachary Card and David Wells cards are played in four games. Wells has played in one and he's still traveling. Uh, I don't think cards traveling just because they aren't going to play him, but David Wells is traveling. Um, You may see him if injuries, he's only played in the game. So he has three left to play in. Uh, Taz Reddick's and Montreal Hatton were both dinged up. We don't have any availability at practice right now. So we can't really provide an update as to whether they're fully healthy. Um, But I would expect at least two of those guys to play a big role next year. Yeah, yeah. Montreal Montre- and Taz were both dinged up all through fall camp. And, and spring. Um, yeah, and spring. So, um, but definitely guys to watch in the future. But Zach Card, um, yeah, he – David Wells does have the – has three games, and Zach Card did not travel. You're correct. Anything else, Jake, before, before I let you go? No, I, I feel like – these really, the next two weeks could be huge. Uh, there could be some hype that really hasn't been around the Oregon State program arguably since 2000. So uh, I feel like it's a great time to be, you know, in Corvallis around the town. And it's just a great time to be involved with Oregon State Athletics. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that starts. Thank you for listening to the damn podcast. Thank you for supporting us at Beaver Blitz. Um, it's been fun to see new members joining us and the the conversations in the lodge have been really, really good and lots of insight. We have former, former players, we have parents, um, lots of insight being posted in the lodge. So thank you um, for all of you making Jake and my job easier and um, even better. Jake, you're killing it your first football season and uh, it's been fun. We will be back next week though, for another episode of the damn podcast and hopefully we should have a special guest joining us next week. Yes. yes. Hopefully we'll have a special guest. A player is going to join us. And hopefully we can be talking about a big, big game with Washington coming on the on the horizon. So uh, stick with us and we'll be back next week for another episode of The Dam. You deserve the truth. The enemy is at our gates. The fight for humanity. I look at your faces. I do not see defeat. No! And I do not see surrender. It's far from over. You will not make that stand alone. We have something the enemy does not. We have heroes. Halo. New season now streaming. Exclusively on Paramount+.